Good morning. I didn't realize that Dave Culver is in a 20-something small group. I don't know if you, any of you noticed that, but it's news to me. But I do want to welcome you wherever you're worshiping from this morning. You know, my family spent some time, maybe like many of you, on vacation this past summer. And one of the things is we went down to Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. And I think we have a picture of us on a roller coaster. Maybe we don't. But uh, yeah, there we are. We just, we, we finally got on the uh, ride. But let me tell you, as we were waiting in line, to get on this roller coaster, uh, there, there was a, a long wait, and uh, it, it was hot, typical Missouri summer weather. And, and as we got to the front of the line, I realized kind of what was holding us up. And you would think, well, maybe it, they have some extra precautions and safety measures that, to get on this roller coaster. No, it was actually the fast pass lane. That was what was holding us up. And you know, you know what the fast pass lane is, right? It's people who have paid a little bit of extra money so that they can get on the ride and then they were, they'd get off of it and go around and then they would get back on. And I just kind of stood there uh, watching this happen. And as I stood kind of just watching the fast pass people, I began to think, you know, what must their lives be like? I mean... Uh, as the psalmist says in Psalm 73, you know, they surely don't have the troubles that the rest of us have in life. In fact, you know, they didn't have to go through this zigzaggy line and see the same people in that line for 45 minutes. You know what I'm talking about. And I could kind of sense this just growing discontentment inside of me. And not that I wished any ill will on them or anything like that, but the reality is, the truth is, is here I am, I'm in Silver Dollar City, I'm having a great day. I'm riding roller coasters. I had barbecue ribs for lunch. I even went into that store, you know, the blast of cold air hits you, and I got the fudge, and I got some Boston baked beans for later on in the day. And yet, this little switch had gone off in my Mind and in my heart, where suddenly I'm kind of judging people. And I'm unhappy because I'm comparing myself to others. And then later on through the day, I, I, I you know, swore I wasn't going to check my phone. I pulled my phone out a couple times and I saw some pictures of other people and where they were at on vacation. And I began to envy them. And so let me ask you. Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever struggle with envy? Raise your hands here. Let me see. Anyone? <laughs> Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Is this all I want to say? <laughs> we have a sermon coming up in our Acts, sermon, in our Acts uh, series that maybe you want to listen to. But we all realize right, everybody's life on social media gets, a, gets airbrushed, uh, maybe quite a bit. But, but Arthur Brooks, who uh, writes for the Atlantic Monthly, and he has a podcast on happiness, he, he says this. He says, envy, in short, is the happiness killer. Envy is the happiness killer. In other words, he says, if we want to overcome the need to compare ourselves to other people, to keep up with the Joneses, we'd be a lot happier in life. If we could just learn to overcome our need to compare ourselves. 
Well, it's really easier said than done, right? And, and so the question is, is then how do we do that? And how do we learn to be content with the lives that, that God has given us? Well, today I, I want us to look at envy because the Bible talks about it more than we, we might realize. And, and rightfully so, because if it goes unchecked in our lives, it, it can even destroy our souls. It, it's that powerful. Because ultimately, envy is about our relationship with God. And that's why in passage after passage in the Bible, God warns us about it. For example, Proverbs 14.30 says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace, a heart that's not anxious, a heart that's not fearful, trusting in God. But it says this, but envy Envy rots the bones. In other words, it makes us miserable. We all know that envy can destroy our relationships with others. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James 3, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. He says, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly. It's unspiritual, and it's even demonic. Pretty strong words. See, God puts envy on a serious list of sins. And so the question is, is what is it? Well, envy, let me give you a definition, is the discontented and resentful longing for what someone else possesses. And of course, its cousin is jealousy. In other words, it's wanting what someone, wanting someone else's life or some aspect of their lives because we're not happy with ours. And maybe there's no better an example in all of the Bible of a case of envy than King Saul and his relationship with David. Let me just sum up the story for you. You might know it, but remember King Saul had been placed over Israel by God. He had been anointed. And David at that point in his life was a young man. And David loves Saul, but David, in a battle, right, he goes out and he fights Goliath, the Philistine, and he kills him. And right after that battle, we read these words. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Okay, let me just to put this in modern parlance for you. So what this is saying is Saul got 10,000 or got, got 1,000 likes, right? And David got tens of thousands, okay? David even got a few retweets, okay? This is what is going on. And so Saul was very angry, and this refrain galled him. 
And he said, they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And if you know the story, that's how it turned out. You see, Saul became so envious of David that Saul's life, David got in his head and and Saul's life, it was just this downward spiral all the way to the point where Saul tried to kill David. So he throws a spear at him. David has to flee for his life. He flees to some caves. I've been there in Israel and it's probably from that point that David wrote many of the Psalms that we read and find comfort in today. But Saul was so jealous of David that it ended up destroying his life. And at the very end, he took his own life. That's envy. See, envy is that thing in all of us that says, you know what, look at another person's success. Look at their beauty. Look at their accomplishments. Look at their happiness. Of course, on the outside, we smile. (laughs) We act like we're happy for them. But deep down, we kind of resent them. We might even be happy when they're brought down to size or they fail. Why? Because we think that we deserve better. Because we think, at the end of the day, that God is withholding something good from our lives. And let me tell you, I think that's a really dangerous place to be spiritually. You know, I think people walk away from the faith for for many reasons. And, And sometimes it's church scandals and those kind of things. But sometimes I think people walk away from the faith because their, their hearts have become hardened with envy of other people. And so the question is, is why do we need to deal with it? Other than the fact that it violates, if you think about it, the two greatest commandments in scripture, that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. But why is envy also so bad? Well, Peter Kreef, who uh, is a Catholic theologian, he, he wrote a book called Back to Virtue, but he, he said this, he says, envy, more than any other sin, is the one that you don't want to admit that's true of you. So I've been a pastor for about 24 years. I spent another six years in campus ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ, and, and over the years, I've had lots of people come to me and ask me to pray for them, and they've confessed to me maybe some sin that they've been struggling with. And, and so it's, it's hard for me to be surprised, right, at what people do, mainly because I see the, the sin in my own life. So I'm not surprised. But it's interesting, over 30 years of ministry, I have never once had someone come to me and confess that they're really struggling with envy or jealousy of other people. Why? Well, because it's just so humiliating, right? It it makes us seem so small that we envy others. And and therefore, we never really want to admit it, and and, and we kind of live in denial, and we act like it doesn't exist in, in our lives. 
But secondly, Kreef says that envy sucks all of the joy out of life. And you know that to be true. See, maybe one of the reasons why we're often so down and depressed, just filled with self-pity, or we're grouchy all the time and unhappy is because we're struggling with envy. And it keeps us from enjoying and being grateful for the things that God has given us in life. And so it makes us, we're unhappy, right? We're always unhappy with the house that we live in. It's never good enough. We're unhappy with our spouse, with our kids, because we compare our kids to other kids, and you think, well, how come my kid's not doing that? Or even how we look physically. Kreeft writes this, and I think this is so good. He says, envy is the only sin that gives the sinner no pleasure at all, not even fake and temporary satisfaction. Envy removes joy because envy is the opposite of gratitude, and gratitude is the seedbed of joy. Every moment of our lives is an invitation to humanity, that is, to gratitude. We are always confronted by the half-full, half-empty glass. Our lives are finite, never fully filled, never fully emptied, and so we always have opportunities for gratitude for the half-full or ingratitude and resentment and bitterness at the half-empty and envy of those whose glass is full. It's so true, isn't it? It's a summary of so many of our lives, me included. Envy, if you think about it, at the end of the day, kills gratitude because ultimately what it's saying is, is God, you haven't been good. God, you haven't been faithful to me. But we also know that that envy is an enemy of love. See, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, and you've heard this verse if you've been to weddings, right? You know this verse. It gets repeated or read at weddings all the time, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. And in Romans 12, 15, we're told that we're to, what, rejoice or be happy for those who are rejoicing. And we're to be sad or we're to mourn with those who are sad or mourning. But you see, envy flips that around. Envy makes us rejoice, kind of. When other people are mourning or they've been brought down to size, and it makes us mourn or kind of be sad when other people are rejoicing, when they're doing well in life. In other words, envy is the exact opposite of love. And so let me just give you a couple examples. For example, maybe you want to be married, and that's a, that's a, that's a good want, right? The Bible tells us that marriage is good and singleness is good. But maybe you want to be married, and a friend of yours gets married. 
And, and you really can't be happy for them in their happiness. And so you kind of spend the whole time just kind of focusing upon what you don't have. That's the plot line, right, in, in countless movies. Hollywood would go broke without that narrative. <laughs> Or how about this? You know, this example, you want to be promoted in your company and someone else gets promoted and maybe you did deserve it, but you can't be happy for them. Why? Well, you, because you think, what? why am I down here and why are they up there? Do you see kind of how self-absorbed it is? In other words, everything that happens to other people, we think it's a reflection on us. We think that it's about us. And so envy can make the workplace miserable. Because of envy, people are, you know, sl they slander other people and there's some backstabbing going on and, 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 and gossiping because of enormous jealousy. It happens in every workplace. Envy affects politics, right? Because politics, right? You get to the top and everyone else wants to bring you down. Maybe it's because they've got better ideas, but maybe it's because of envy, right? Because politics, politics means power and it means money. Do you see how serious it is? How it affects almost every area of our lives. In fact, envy turned the Garden of Eden, paradise. Adam and Eve got everything that they wanted. It turned it into the world, right? Because God said, oh, just one thing, don't eat of that tree. And they envied that tree. At the end of the day, Adam and Eve thought that God was withholding something good. And so how do we fight against it? How do we do battle with envy in our lives? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that envy reveals that something in our lives maybe has become more important to us than God. See, envy reveals our idols. Because think about it. We don't envy everyone, right? We, we only envy people who are more successful than us or, or, or prettier or, or people who have more money or fame. In fact, Solomon, you know, one of the wisest men ever to live in Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, and I saw all the toil and all of the achievement out there. In other words, people working. Work is a good thing. But he said, I see people working so hard trying to climb the ladder of success. And they work so hard in so many hours that they neglect their family. They neglect their worship of God. Why did he say they do that? He, he, he says, I saw all the toil. It springs from one person's envy of another. I think Solomon's on to something. See, envy helps us to understand what we really think is important, what we really look to to find our significance and our worth and our meaning. And so my encouragement to you is to follow your envies. And I think it will reveal to you of what you really look to 
to find your identity in life. But the second thing, second thing that we need to do to battle envy is that we need to compare ourselves to others. Now, you're sitting there thinking, okay, he just contradicted his entire sermon, right? But, but here's what I, I mean by that. You know, this past July, my, my wife and I uh, got a chance to go down to Guatemala for about four days. And uh, our church, The Crossing, we, we do a lot of work in Guatemala, sending teams and supporting missionaries and, 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 and helping the poor. And I kind of help oversee some of that. But it had been a while since I had been down there. And one of the things we do is we support a school there that helps uh, students learn English so they can get good jobs in Guatemala City. And then what we found is they go back to the mountains, the Mayan Indians, and they stay there in their villages instead of trying to make the trek north through Mexico to our southern border. We think it's a very effective ministry. But my wife went down to see this, and, and we got a chance to go on a home visit. And we got a chance to, to visit a family and some of the students that were sending to this English school. And, and this is where a mom and her two kids and, and the grandmother live. It's, it's, it's this building right here, this little two-bedroom building. There's no shower. There's no bathroom. And they invited my wife and I to eat a meal with them because it was their only way to thank us. And so she cooked rice and she cooked pork. And of course, there was flies all around because there's no refrigeration. And my wife and I, we sat down and we ate that meal and we thanked them and hugged them. And I remember I walked outside of this, this shack here and I sat down and I sat down next to one of our missionaries there, Ron Whitman. I, I couldn't speak because I had realized in my life that I had kind of got in, in this little bubble where I was kind of worried about and, and focusing on things about going on in my life and comparing myself to others and what I have and don't have and injustices that are maybe happening to me. And when I ate that meal with that family, I realized how lucky I really am. And it brought me back to reality. Here's the point. Don't compare yourself to others. But my greater point is this. Get involved in ministries where you're helping people that are less fortunate than you. Go on a mission trip. Get involved in a ministry that we offer here at The Crossing. Oh, there's tons of just great organizations doing really good work here in our community. Get involved where you can serve other people who are less fortunate. Because I think when you do, when you get caught in that little bubble in your head about how unfair God's been to you, it helps soften your heart. Third thing, the final thing, that we have to do is that we have to bring God into the picture to deal with envy. We have to bring God into the picture. We have to recognize God's sovereignty over our lives, that he's given us each a race to run in life. That, that he's placed us 
where we're at, but we also have to see his goodness to us and his grace to us as well. See, if you think about it, everything that we have in life is from him. James says, all good gifts, right, come down to us from God. Everything that we have in life is from him, nothing more and nothing less. And so why in the world do we compare ourselves to others? We've all been given different gifts. We all need each other. We've all been given different opportunities in life, right? God has given each of us different races that we have to run. And let's just be honest here. Some of us have to run harder races than others. Can I just say that? Can I just be honest about that? And so all God asks you to do is to be faithful. To be faithful to the race that he's given you to run in life. You know, when I first became a Christian, I think it was at, around the time when I was a junior at the University of Missouri. And uh, I, I got involved in a Bible study. Dave Cover was leading it. Both Keith and I were in that Bible study. Um, can you imagine having Keith and I in a Bible study? Right. <laughs> right. But, but um, I remember, you know, like the, the you know, recommendation, Dave said, well, hey, read through the book of John to learn about Jesus's life. I knew John 3.16. That was the one verse I did know. But uh, I started reading through the book of John, and I get to John chapter 21. And that's the place where the resurrected Jesus, he, he, he looks at Peter and he predicts. He says, Peter, if you're going to follow me in life, they're going to kill you. And Peter, at that moment, he, he looks over and he sees the disciple John and he says, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. What about him? You mean if I follow you, I'm going to have a harder life than John? And Jesus says, yeah. But he says, Peter, don't focus upon what I'm doing or not doing in John's life. But I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me, so stop focusing upon what you think you have and don't have, but focus on me, Jesus says. Because if you have me, you have everything. And so will you believe, Jesus says, that I love you, I love you, and that I will give you everything that you need to run the race that I have set out for you. And so how do we know that God will give us everything we need? We'll look no further than the cross, right? That if God would give us his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay for my sins and your sins, would he withhold anything good from our lives? Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, forgive us of the sin of envy. Help us to see the goodness of Jesus to us.
Help us to not compare ourselves to others, but help us to find our identity in him and rest in your love for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand to receive God's blessing? Now may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for worshiping with us today.